Hello and welcome to the Jabroni Show on FRC 101.9 FM. As always, we will be talking basketball with my co-host Evan. How's it, how's it cooking up today? I'm good. Not too bad. Enjoying uh, my selection Sunday. Uh, the NCAA tournament uh, seeds and bracket comes out later today. And um, good lazy weekend for me. How about you? I. I, I couldn't agree more. Lazy weekend just defines it in total. I've just been relaxing. I mean, making sure, catching up on some sports, watching some highlights, and just getting ready for the week ahead, honestly. And I mean, today, I mean, it's an interesting day. To, um, just recently, just this past week, we passed the date of the NBA shutting down and kind of the entire pandemic coming into full effect. And just looking back to what how we viewed the shutdown at the time, and I remember we did a pod i mean the i mean the show the day after it mm-hmm. happened we were just kind of talking about yeah we'll shut it down for a couple of weeks come back for come back and then i think i was like i don't know we might see what happens and it's just crazy to see how far we've taken it since then so yeah it's wild it is wild to think it's here in a weird way it, it's it's felt like such a long time but it also feels as if time has passed by really fast Weird to think about. You know what's funny about the the show that we did the day after I recall? First of all, we were giving Rudy Gobert all hell. Um, second of all, I recall we were like, when it does come back, one of us was like, I think it may have been you, like you like got down the exact like um like format that they were gonna come back with, the bubble with oh, the yeah. with the like couples. We were yeah, I I do recall that actually. Crazy out time. Crazy how time passes, honestly, though. Yeah, I forgot I called the bubble. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, we're now midway through this next season, and I think it's time to hand out some halfway awards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I let's change it not to like midseason awards, but like who we're projecting, or I guess it is midseason awards, really, who we're projecting to win the awards at the end of the season as well. Um it's a kind of an interesting year for awards. There are a couple ones that seem like way more obvious than usual. And, and there's literally no, not even like an option B, C, D, but other awards, and we'll start off with the MVP other awards. There's some interesting competition and it depends what type of flavor you're going, but um, there are a bunch of candidates kind of in the running for a couple awards. And I mean, might as well start off with the MVP I feel like it's a wider race than usual. Um, I mean, you got, it's really kind of a toss up between, not a toss up, but it's between Jokic, Embiid, Harden, Giannis, LeBron. And then I think some people would throw Lillard, Doncic, maybe even Chris Paul in there as well. I'll, I'll let you go with um, who you think yours is, but it, it, it is interesting. Like in past years, it's felt like such a narrow race. Um, this year it feels open and and I'm kind of curious where 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 it ends up if LeBron can can do his end of season thing or if if one of the Jokic or Embiid takes over or then if 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 Harden keeps on doing what he's doing on the Nets then it's hard not to give it to him and then even like Giannis like what if the Bucks just have a second uh, great second half because he's been he's been having a very underrated season himself so I'm I'm curious where things are going. I'll let I'll let you take it though. I mean, I want to almost throw it back to our preseason predictions for MVP and how we were both 
I think very, if I remember correctly, very heavy on Luka Doncic as far as the narrative has lined up for this to be his year. He just came off a great playoffs against the Clippers. And we really thought that this could be, I mean, we thought that this could be it for him. And if he put up the stats and brought his team into the playoffs, maybe probably even a top team, kind of maybe top four, top six team in the West, he'd have a good shot at it. But because of the way he started the season, that's just not the case. And AD, we thought maybe would have the season, but he's kind of taken the time off because of his injury. And LeBron's, I mean, against our prediction as well, has kind of popped off and put himself into the conversation. And -hmm. with all of this being said, Harden, who we would have guessed to be in the conversation probably preseason because of Houston, is now in the conversation with Brooklyn. But my the only thing that gives me pause about wanting to pick Harden as my MVP candidate going forward in Brooklyn is I'm not sure when KD's coming back, but when KD does come back, I think it'll be a lot harder if that narrative changes at the end of the season where he's playing with KD and he might not be the best player on that team anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Harden narrative is is tough to predict. I'd say just because he's he's been there for not the whole season, and then you don't know where it's gonna go from there. Uh, where it's gonna go from there, especially when Katie's back. But but with um, all this being said, um, I'm gonna have to. I would. This is predicated on the fact that he just does come back in two weeks, and he's totally fine long term. I'm gonna pick Embiid as my mid season. Uh, projection of course predicated on the injury is not too bad I think he's taken his game to a whole nother level his three-point shooting is great he's been dominant in the post the entire I mean given the entire team has been better around him as well I think that's because of him not spite of him in any reasons he's leveled up his play and thus the team around him has also all elevated the coaching changes definitely helped the personnel changes helped and all of this has unlocked Embiid this season mm-hmm yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you. Nothing you said there was yeah, everything everything there was right. I would totally agree. Like everything about the Sixers and Bead and just like the their future and, and playoff perspectives and hope in general just seem it just seemed better in the best they've been in, in years to me. And I mean, like obviously uh, across the board Embiid's improved statistically. But to me, it's like it's, and I, I think I said this last week. Like I'd been, I'd been almost ex- expecting this, and I don't think it's like. So I don't really think he necessarily deserves the awards award for. I don't want to say three reasons, but two main reasons. The first one, and I touched upon it last week. I really felt like Embiid is now not like overplaying his his skill level. I feel like this is the Embiid we've been waiting to see the whole time, and like speaking to a larger scale, this is the Sixers we've been waiting to see the whole time. But from that standpoint, it's like, it's like, I feel like he's now just meeting expectations. And then my second point is kind of that, like the MVP award, which is his most valuable player. And we'll get to my pick in a second. It, it, I believe it actually should go to the most valuable player. And on the online, like with that way of thinking, yes, LeBron should have what? 10 MVP awards, but like, I'm not that I wouldn't be that prepared to give Embiid the award when it feels like I know Simmons has been great. 
Tobias Harris is, has been great. The coaching has been great. Like even even the back, like he doesn't have to play that many minutes. I think he's playing 32 minutes. That's not a knock against him. It's just saying everything around him is so good that he doesn't have to. Um, all NBA worthy, yeah. Like he's definitely. I hope he gets an All NBA nod over over Gobert. But my and the the third one I'd add really quickly is that is that he is in the Eastern Conference and the Eastern Conference just hasn't been as good as the West this year. I think that matters slightly. Anyways, enough about Embiid. I feel like Embiid's season is hard to contextualize against Harden's and LeBron's, but it's not hard to contextualize against my pick for MVP. And you may guess who that is just based on um the easy comparison it's Jokic I think by every standard every metric Jokic has been this year's MVP just looking at what he's done roster like roster wise people think of the Nuggets as this like pretty like they are well coached they do have a, a decent roster but man over the last two years that team has lost so many players and honestly they haven't gained that many like starting ground up I mean Jamal Murray is who I at one point thought he could squeak into that top six point guard in the NBA and and stick around there. He's not there. He's super inconsistent. He has these crazy, crazy big games and these big, big critical moments, which honestly, if I'm a Nuggets fan and if I'm Jokic, I'm probably happy about. I'd I'd probably take a player who performs in those games rather than performs consistently. However, he hasn't been getting better. So Jokic doesn't have another all-star beside him or even close to one. And then, you know, you've lost Malik Beasley, who's your other, who's another, you know, solid guard. He's putting up numbers in uh, Minnesota, say about like the worth of that as you want. But you, Gary Harris hasn't really played that good for two years now. And then kind of looking around the roster in other senses, I mean, Jeremy Grant's gone. Millsap isn't what he used to be. It's just, it's just, it's evident through watching him Plumley, who is uh, kind of his backup big man would give him, you know, good rest minutes. He's gone. And all of a sudden it feels like the nuggets don't have all that much depth and don't have all that great of a roster. I mean, their last draft picks like bowl hasn't been able to really play in the NBA. And I mean, Porter jr. We can sit here and talk about his talent all day. And I think we have in previous previous renditions of the show but it it, it, it the eye test isn't there it, it just doesn't seem like he, he's that good on an nba court or at least uh provides that much valuable value on an nba court and go into like comparing the points a game and rebounds a game between Jokic and Embiid and yeah Jokic is 22 and 16 um which is like my one like caveat because 22 and 16 like honestly like the Portland Trailblazers are 22 and 15. Dame, it feels like, isn't even in the conversation. But Embiid's, it's interesting. Embiid's points and re- rebounds are the same, basically. But points, rebounds, blocks are higher than Jokic's. But, but man, Jokic is obviously a great passer. But I feel like I've never seen him control. I haven't seen a player control the offensive part of the game like this, like Harden's basically been doing it for what I feel like four years. Like to me, not even like Steph and Durant and those type and Giannis can kind of have the same level of control on offense and dictate 
where shots come from and how the quality of shots like Harden. And of course, the other one's LeBron. He's just been doing it for his entire career. But I, watching Jokic now, I, I genuinely believe that he's on that same offensive level. Like, and I mean, even like if you need to prove for his greatness, they're kind of like 10 major categories that advanced stat categories that people like looking at to see like how not how good is this player but like really how valuable he is and so those include offensive rating defensive rating offensive win shares defensive win shares win shares per 48 minutes box plus minus value over replacement that type of stuff so anyways Jokic is eighth in offensive rating Obviously, at first you you don't think that's good, that's good of a number, but honestly, the one's offensive rating is a skewed stat. I mean, seven is Rashawn Holmes, six is Mikael Bridges, five is Chris Boucher, four is Ines Cantor, three is Joe Ingles, two is Jared Allen, Ivica, one is Ivica Zubac. So that's maybe not worth. But Jokic is first in offensive win shares. He has six point eight. Lillard's one point five behind him, and he's in second. Okay, Jokic is first in total win shares. He's almost two full win shares ahead of Giannis. Win shares per 48 minutes, which basically means who's the most efficient in their time on the court. Jokic again. Box plus minus, it's Jokic. Jokic's box plus minus is 11.7 compared to Embiid's 8.6. Giannis is 8.6. Offensive box plus minus, it's Jokic again. Defensive box plus minus, you know, he's not on there, but um, value over replacement, it's Jokic again as first. So he's seriously... The first in all these categories, to me, this feels like it should be a landslide. I'm curious what LeBron, how LeBron will play down the stretch and how the Harden thing will go. But to me, like, if it's Jokic over Embiid, that's my, that's where I'm headed with my MVP thinking, at least. I mean, it's hard to deny the whole case you've laid out. And I think both of them do have a really good chance to win it, but I believe the bias might go for Embiid totally because agree. of his record. Yeah, and I totally agree. Storyline. Yeah, the whole like Denver versus Philadelphia. That's totally true. So in that case, I that's why I'd pick Embiid, uh, Embiid over the Joker. But I definitely think they'd be interchangeable in that respect. Yeah, and that makes total sense. It's not too difficult to see why the national media would choose a player of Embiid's kind of character playing in Philadelphia, playing under much more scrutiny and expectations rather than a Jokic. I'm, I'm with you on that. That would not surprise me. Moving over to the next award, and I'm now looking at uh, the our like original original award picks from the season. I, was, I had uh, my MVP, Dennis Doncic, which... At the time, it was a reasonable guess. I still think it's a reasonable guess. And, like, who knows? I mean, he may have a great second half of the season. He was heating up towards the end of the first half. Um, my rookie of the year was embarrassingly, embarrassingly kind of uh, Denny Avdija. Um, I like the Wizards' storyline going into the season. I don't like it now. And I know they've had a ton of injuries, but but still, that's a bit of an embarrassing one. I feel like we don't have to talk too long about this especially because we're going to get further into rookies at the end of the show. But, um, I mean, it's 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 LaMelo Ball. And the only one who, who comes close, who doesn't even really come close, would be Tyrese Halliburton. But the rookie of the year has to be Melo Ball. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. At the start of the season, I think I don't think we were fully on board with Lamelo. I believe we've got a clip on our Instagram where we kind of talk about how he's got everything there. He's got the abilities. He's got the tools to become an elite NBA player. But we just weren't quite sure if it was going to happen, if he'd adapt to the system and how he would look taking uh, maybe not even a second tier role, but like a third or a fourth tier role. And it really went better than I think I could have imagined or you could have imagined. He seems like a great kid. He gets along with his teammates. I mean, who wouldn't love playing with LaMelo with his play style where he shares the ball? So I think it's at this point a no-brainer to put LaMelo there. Yeah, I mean, he's been the best rookie. This situation, yeah, again, like, our, I feel like our we never were hating on LaMelo Ball, but our LaMelo Ball uncertainty at the beginning of the season was very related to, like, situation we were unsure of his situation um he felt like a player who things around him would need to be pretty pretty straight and in order for him to succeed and it has gone that way but it's kind of a i'm almost happy for him maybe not him specifically i'm almost happy about the storyline it's kind of like you appreciate it because i, I don't know it's, it's just been nice to see no i totally agree with you and this guy i mean it's almost crazy like how many kids could become a worldwide superstar at 16 years old and actually stand up to the hype so far? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's, he's quiet on the court, you know, he's quiet off the court too. It's just, it's just nice to see there. There's really not like, I can't think of anything bad to say about him. No. And with that being said, I love the fact, I mean, this one last note, I know we said we were going to talk about this quickly and now we've gone in for a couple minutes here, mm-hmm. but I love that the Charlotte Hornets have their guy. Like, MJ's got his star player finally. I mean, their past couple draft picks have been really, really good. PJ Washington, Malik, I mean, it keeps going on. They've none of Devontae Graham, none of them have been superstars, but they've been building a bunch of respectable and rotation players and borderline stars. So it's just great to see MJ's team finally getting a guy to center everything around as a lot as well with signing Gordon Hayward. It's just worked out way better than I could have imagined. Yeah, their record will definitely not blow you out of the water, but um, their their roster and their decision making seems like it's the best it's been since since who knows when. So yeah, it, forever it, since forever is the yeah right. since forever actually is the right. And they're nineteen and eighteen. That's not bad. Um, getting into the next pick or award, we can look at most improved player uh there's a couple different ways you can go there seems like a bunch of almost obvious ones and a bunch of non-obvious ones i'll let you uh i'll let you take go first here because i'm i'm curious who who you'll choose for me i mean i had to really break it down between do i want to go in the direction of somebody who's gotten the accolades to show that they have improved this year, like a Jalen Brown, for example, who's gotten that all-star nod. Or do I want to go in the direction of somebody who's made a huge statistical leap that people didn't really predict? And that in that case, I'd be going with Jeremiah Grant. And honestly, I think in the case, I'm my uh, early season prediction as well was Chris Boucher, who I think still could win it, but he doesn't really get the coverage or I don't think has had as great of a story as Grant has as far as going for it. So now I'm going to have to pivot it 
to Grant. I mean, he's averaging 23 points, 5.3 rebounds, 2.9 assists. He's up from averaging only 12 points last season. I think we all thought he was better than he was at Denver and what he was allowed to show there, but I don't think we could have predicted borderline all-star. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. And there's actually a bunch of this this award. I mean, if Grant keeps playing the way he does, this award will probably go to him. But there's a bunch of interesting places this could end up. Like you said, Boucher is an interesting candidate. I think I wouldn't be surprised if it went to Julius Randle just because he's he's on the Knicks. But I almost don't like that pick as much because I Randle like what has he improved Randle? Like yeah, his efficiency, but but I don't know. To me, it's like. And by the way, it's interesting. We I chose beginning of the season. I chose um, Christian Wood slash Luguens Dort, which were actually both both pretty good picks for this. Christian Wood would have won uh, if he had kept playing, or if he hadn't gotten injured, rather presumably. Um, and then, but anyways, my pick is Grant. Like like you said, uh, the switch from Denver to um Detroit he's the term most improved player like applies to him like perfectly like he's legitimately taken a part of the game that he's never been asked to excel at and that's offense and he's never been asked to have the ball in his hand or to shoot a lot or to even be like a big role man at the rim and he's he's done all those things with efficiency without another great offensive piece so so I like yeah, he he does deserve to be the most improved, and it's always like it's nice to see it, the improvement is is drastic too. Like points per game, oh fourteen, fourteen fifteen, six a game, fifteen sixteen, nine a game, sixteen seventeen, eight a game, and then eighteen nineteen thirteen a game, nineteen twenty twelve a game, twenty one twenty three and a half a game. The improvement is, is is more than there, and I don't know if there's anyone who like statistically and kind of role wise has improved more. So I I'd, I'd give it to him. I would have liked to see Christian Wood play out the rest of the season though, because I he has everything to be a really really great big man in my opinion. I totally agree with you, and I want to pose to you. I mean, one question before we move on from this topic with Grant. Mm-hmm. Do you think he could be kind of like a um, uh, Philadelphia Michael Carter Williams propped up by being on the team that doesn't really have anything else going for him to put up the higher stats? Uh, Good question. I'd give that a bit of like a a yes and a no. It's kind of like it's a situation where you can't fault him for it because like I think Jeremy Grant at the back of his mind knows that he's he's the perfect two option on a really good team and he should probably get up more like 16 shots a game rather than 18 or 20. But I I don't think you can fault him for that this year especially when he's doing it so efficiently from in the paint and out. Um it's just like it, it would be somewhat egregious to think that he would be having like the same numbers if he stayed in Denver though it just it just wouldn't be the case um but I don't think he's 
to blame. And what's nice about his game is that he could go down to a, a less a role of less usage. And if anything, he could maybe get a bit more efficient. So I, I don't where Carter Williams had the ball in his hand, you know what it felt like all the time because Philadelphia literally was 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 banking on nothing other than him. Um, I don't think that's entirely the case with Grant. I think I think they got other guys putting up shots. I mean, Grant's obviously their main focus, but but um, I don't think this is an anomaly. Grant's season, I think this is legit. No, I agree with you. I just wanted to get the full explanation, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it's a good question to pose because it's true. It happens to a lot of players. Like, like if Levine were to go to, I mean, and like a be the be the kind of the second best player on the team, he just he just scored twenty two points a game. Like he, Levine isn't a twenty nine thirty point scorer. But anyways, um, so yeah, I like that we. Yeah, I like that we agreed there, and we agreed on the rookie of the year. I feel like we'll also agree on the sixth man of the year. Um, I actually had him down as my prediction as the beginning of the season, which I'm I'm happy about. It felt like me. It, it, he almost deserved the All Star bid more than Conley and and Mitchell. Every time I watch the Jazz play, he plays amazing. He changes the game. It's it's Jordan Clarkson for the sixth man. I don't think there's a close second, but. But let me know what you think. No, I think it's Jordan Clarkson as well. I mean, if we're going by the definition of how this award has been given out year after year to the Lou William types, I mean, he fits the bill. It, I, I have no doubt at this rate it's going to be Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not that much worth talking about, honestly. Uh, next, we can go to Defensive Player of the Year. I'll let you go first on this one because I think there's a pretty obvious one and I'm going to go in a different direction than the obvious one, but I think you could actually go in the same direction as me. Um, It's an interesting award this year though. Yeah. I mean, normally I I think it should just go to the best defensive player on the best defensive team. Mm -hmm. In which case it would be, it would be LeBron. Oh, really? I I was going to say Gobert, but while the Lakers are the be- have the best net defensive rating, yeah, but that's kind of tough because they only have the 16th best offensive rating. It's like they have the best rating because their pace is kind of slow. Like whereas Utah, who has a really fast pace, still kind of manages to. They're on the very similar pace. It's only point one off. Oh yeah, no, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, no, you're yeah. I feel like. It's shocking without AD as well, because normally in this situation you just go Anthony Davis, and that's an easy fill right. in right there. Yeah, no, I'm 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 here for your argument for why it should be LeBron. I'm I'm listening because I'm not I'm now kind of in on it as well. Go for it. But as for LeBron, they yeah they play at a very similar pace. They score less than the Jazz. I'll give them that. They're missing Anthony Davis, but he is lost Anthony Davis. Like like I said, he's missing Anthony Davis on defense, and he's maintained being the best defensive team in the NBA. Well, LeBron might not give it every single possession. He knows when to give it. He knows when it matters. He wants to win the MVP this year. I think that's clear. And although they've been on a skid as of recently, and maybe it might not be the best pick long term as of right now, I think LeBron does deserve recognition for Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. And I'll just add on top of that because... 
I was like for a second, like, whoa, where where was that coming from? But no, there's there's a couple things to back it up. Um, I mean, just like from my perspective, LeBron's looked like he's taken off way less plays than he has in the past. He looks totally engaged, which is nice. Um, and like next, yeah, because like Gasol is a great defender, and guys like Caruso and and KCP, Wes Matthews, and even Kuz gives it. Uh, his fair share on defense sometimes, but like LeBron is the leader of that defense. So the whole picking the best defender on the best defensive team that also aligns. And then lastly in defensive rating is, 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 is just dominated by big men basically. Um, partly because not as many threes go up when big men are on the floor. And that's why, but you look at the defensive rating leaders, it's it's Gobert, number one, Davis, number two, Nolan's Noel, number three, Gasol, number four, Embiid, number five, LeBron's number six, and those after him, Drummond, Mitchell Robinson, Montrez Harrell, Miles Turner, Capella, Antetokounmpo, Pirtle, again, they're all big men, so I think I think it's kind of another small little impressive nugget um, for LeBron's. I honestly... I'm I'm not LeBron's also second leading in defensive win shares. Um I think I'd steer away from LeBron, but I, that's something I hadn't considered which I actually appreciate. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. I'm not sure if you're going to be on the LeBron train or not. I think you're I think you're here for it, but you're not quite on board. You no, know, it's just an interesting proposition because there there there're a bunch of arguments for it. Anyways, um, I'm not going to go with Gobert. I'm going with Simmons, and for a couple of reasons. One, I, I I think Simmons is just is he is a great defender. But but two, the Defensive Player of the Year award is kind of weird. And I understand that when the advanced stats and box score stats of guys like Rudy Gobert jump off the chart, and they're you know one of the best defensive teams in the league, you know they probably deserve it too. But Going back to like when Marcus Gasol won the award, and I think it was 2013, which is also the year people joke about, funny enough, um, him stealing the award away from LeBron. I felt like there's nothing wrong with choosing like a wing defender who just locks down the other team's best player every night rather than choosing the big man who kind of like sits in the paint and controls the defense. And with the Simmons pick, I'm going with the guy who just locks down the other team's best player. I want to say there's a stretch of games where I watched Simmons play against LeBron, Doncic, and then and then a couple games later, the Raptors. Doncic was... Doncic doesn't... It feels like he doesn't necessarily get locked up by anyone. He gets locked up by defenses. But just because the way he moves, he really can get to any spot he wants. So it, it, it almost like the guy guarding him, of course, matters, but it's really the entire defense that really, really matters. Simmons totally, that being said, Simmons totally locked him down. I, I had not seen it. You know, Doncic didn't just shoot poorly. He couldn't get shots up. Um, it's the best I've ever seen someone guard Doncic. And man, Simmons' effort on defense is also another thing. And I swear, like, the next night, um, LeBron didn't look like he wanted to dribble against him. He was picking up his dribble very early, passing the ball, deferring, shooting a lot of threes, not willing to get in the paint. I think Simmons also is an intimidating defender, kind of in the way Kawhi was like, 
you don't want to dribble against Kawhi because you, you know what the end result is going to be. And lastly, I recall, um, and, and obviously Simmons maybe is hard to pick because you also have a guy like Embiid who's such like a great defensive stalwart behind him. But for me, I watched the Raptors game where Simmons and Embiid went back and forth on guarding Pascal Siakam. And what I saw is that every time Embiid was guarding Siakam, Siakam would get a decent shot up. It could go in, it could get blocked, it could get he could get fouled, but you know, he he would get up a livable shot, you know, obviously not a great one because Embiid's a great defender. But the second Simmons guarded him and Pascal Pascal was trying to do his thing in the top key from the perimeter anywhere. Nothing. Turnovers, turnovers, and bad, bad, bad shots. I've seen Simmons lock down really, really good players too many times this year not to not to pick him in this award. And I'm totally aware of just how good of a defender guys like uh, a guy like Gobert is on the back end. But I just I feel like when you see something with your own eyes, it's it's hard to pass by. And I feel like I saw that with Simmons, you know, multiple times this year. No, I can't disagree with you on this pick either. I mean, Simmons, he can legitimately guard anybody on the floor. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what size you are if you're too small he's still fast enough if you're too big he's still big enough and he's he's the ultimate swiss army knight on uh, swiss army knife on defense with that being said i think we've capped most of the traditional awards but i want to pose to you uh one more award and i'll start it off kind of just to define what we're looking like here i think i want to go for the best storyline so the storylines are one of the best, I mean, in my opinion, some of the best parts of the NBA season, seeing as we talk about the MVP and everything we talk about every week. It kind of is whose story has been fun to watch, whose story has been enjoyable, and whose story has been your favorite so far this year. So with my pick, I'm going to go with kind of the return of Steph Curry and his kind of reemergence back onto the scene and just reminding people the type of game breaker he is and one of the biggest like cap offs that has made this story so great this season is his um success at the all-star game i mean that's his swag in the three-point contest was undeniable he's dropping huge point numbers getting Matt's team for leadership I don't know. I think it's been so great to see Steph come back, be the number one guy, and hopefully carry them into the playoffs. Hmm. Um. Yeah. No. I. I'm. I'm with you. The NBA. It, the NBA is better with Steph. I, it's. It, it is. And I'm. I'm. I'm kind of one of those guys who who definitely wasn't the biggest Steph fan in you know 20, 2015, 2014. But um, the more I realize. You know, the more he's injured or out and the Warriors aren't good and aren't competitive with other good teams, the more I realize I miss kind of Steph in big playoff moments in big, you know, uh, Saturday night uh, primetime ABC or ESPN games. So I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm not head over heels for Steph, so I'm going somewhere else. But um, I, 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 I'm not mad at that pick. Um, and anyways, so for mine, I will not lie. I'm, I'm a sucker for when teams like, 
when teams in a who, historic franchises who have a history of being very bad, or at least a recent history of being very bad, turn it around kind of in an all all of a sudden fashion. And that's basically what the Knicks have been this year. I mean, I love when the Browns, I love how the Browns were good this year. I like that. I like that kind of thing. Anyways, Knicks are 20 and 19. Again, not great. They're the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. But, but if you told people at the beginning of the season that the Knicks would be here and Julius Randle would be an all-star in their 20th pick, or not 20th, but in their draft pick, Emmanuel quickly would be maybe what some people consider a, a top five player from the draft so far. I I think there's there would be reason for Knicks fans to be ecstatic. And uh, there's something about the team I, I just appreciate. Um, you know, I, I like Mitchell Robinson. Obviously, I'm a Canada basketball guy, so I'm a big RJ Barrett guy. The D-Rose return has been, you know, has been nice almost. And even guys like seeing guys like Alec Burks get, you know, the more credit than, or like more run. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just really, really, it's been great to watch for me. The biggest shame is that we probably won't see fans, um, in the Madden's, imagine uh, a, a Nick playoff game, you know, just the fans. I, I miss that because I, I remember that year, those years they went on short runs with Mello. But it's just, it's a perfect mix of like surprising, not surprising, like happy, funny. Um, I don't know. It's just the Knicks would be good in the year of the pandemic where no, where no fans could go to the games. It's just, it's nice to see for me in the same way. It's kind of nice to see Steph back too. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, I feel like we've never seen the Knicks be that great. I mean, short spurts with Mello, but it's nice to see them being relevant again for sure. Yeah, we're yeah we're twenty one years old. We've never we've never seen the Knicks be a, a, a kind of a, a, the franchise that they're supposed to be. And past the, them just having a good season, it's also like they didn't make any like ridiculous free agency signings. They veered away from Gordon Hayward and guys like that. Whether that would have helped them or not, that's up for debate. But they made good moves you know they acquired guys like alec burks derrick rose for small prices and you know they they're developing got their other guys you know barrett kevin knox hasn't gotten necessarily as many minutes as i would have liked him to see but quickly stepping into a great role so it's not just that they're having great seasons that they're setting themselves up to have a great next two seasons and yeah no for that it's just it it's nice to see i'm looking forward to the return of the uh, Knicks franchise, there's something about it. I'm, I'm not. I could care less about kind of the Celtics and the Lakers, but it, it feels right when the Knicks are good. I'm not sure why. No, and I don't disagree with you at all. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Where can we go from here? I was, I was looking at our earlier stuff. I had a couple more kind of embarrassing ones. So for most surprising team at the beginning of the year, I said Memphis, which the book is out on. I mean, too many injuries to know. But interesting, most disappointing, I felt like I got pretty accurate. So I picked the Wolves as the most disappointing team, and they are 8-30. and 30. Again, injury trouble. I picked that the Hawks were going to be super disappointing, and they kind of just started turning things around a bit. They're only 18-20, and 20, but... For the players they they got over the offseason. 
they should be much better than that. Again, injuries. And the last team was Denver, who's also kind of regressed, not in a major way, but they, in my opinion, looked much more uh, potent lethal last year. So those are some interesting ones. Uh, where I'm embarrassed is I thought the most surprising players of the season, like in a good way, is I, I thought OG would take a huge leap. And again, he, the timing of his play and, and that all that stuff has been pretty weird. But um, the other player I thought would, you know, make a really good jump or at least return back to his kind of all-star status was Oladipo. That hasn't quite happened. And the one I'm most wrong about, and I was, I kept on saying this point, hammering this point home at the beginning of the season. I'm obviously wrong. I thought that Durant would be one of the most disappointing players of the season because solely based on his injury and his age, not based on his skill. Uh, I'm, I was very wrong about that. Although then again, we'll see how he returns from his injury this time. So those are some in- other interesting, like mid season, like, let's see where we are. We're at now, you know? And I think from there we can kind of transition to the start of the season and uh, where it all uh, where it all started back up with the draft and where those kind of players are now and with some early assumptions. I think for our window of the week, we could do a uh, which players would we most like to have on our to start like, to start our franchise with. Mm-hmm. Out of the out of the rookies this year, yeah, for uh-huh. sure. Yeah, um, that's an interesting one. Do you want to do like start your franchise with or like add to your team? Because start your, is, although the start your franchise angle could actually be uh, interesting because a lot of these rookies haven't really played yet, you know? Yeah, no, we could go with a, um, so add to your team. What team would we want to go for the base? Just any team in general? Actually, I let's just stick to the original, the um, what, te- what start a franchise with. Yeah, no, of course it's going to be not a lot of these guys have played a ton and the first pick is kind of obvious, but I think the second two you can have some fun with. Yeah, so, so I'll want to go with this. Um, I'm happy taking two, three if you want Melo. Sure, why not? I'll start off with LaMelo. We did a great uh, whole segment on him for Rookie of the Year, so I feel like I don't need to go too in-depth onto him. But for the obvious reasons in his statistical categories, his play on the court... He's exceeded all expectations. He's who I'd pick first. Mm-hmm. And another element of it is like Mello could also like, you know, I, I don't know what he could necessarily add to his game, but after just years of, you know, just literally experience and, and you know, spending time playing in the NBA and practicing and getting bigger, like Mello's not just like Mello's stats are going to, probably improve too if he improves as a shooter i i like he's playing really well now but i think there's a bunch of room for improvement too so that's yeah i just wanted to add that on top of all the things we said earlier no i think that's important to note that this is not his ceiling by any means Mm -hmm. so two i'm going with who we liked we really liked two players coming out of the draft and one of them had a really poor start and got injured and hasn't played since so, you know, I'm not going to, we won't talk about him. Um, the other one though, and I was shocked when he fell to Sacramento. I think he was, I think he may have been our second most favorite player in the draft. It's Tyrese Halliburton. Man, is he good? Like, like seriously, seriously good. 
And again, we were talking. It maybe is offensive stats maybe a bit skewed again because the Kings play at a breakneck, uh, a breakneck uh, pace and just kind of get so many shots and threes up. But he's really been really good from like all angles, and you know he's not like his usage rate isn't high. He's not necessarily like controlling the ball all that much. So I mean. I I'm been really impressed with him too. If Melo hadn't been playing so great, um Halliburton would probably look like by far the best rookie. But um Melo is playing pretty great. No, I totally agree that Tyrese is the definitive number two in this situation. Mm-hmm. So then I'll I'll go with my back to back. This one's tough because we are going who you would like to kind of start with. Um I'm not going to go for Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman just because I haven't Edwards. I just haven't, I was never high on him and I, and I know how skilled he is. I know how talented he is, but I just still haven't seen exactly anything I like. So I'm kind of going with the safety kind of, well, we need a perimeter wing um, who can defend and shoot threes. And that's been Patrick Williams this year uh, on draft night and, we liked we liked Cleveland's pick of Isaac Okoro over over him, but honestly, Williams has played like the best wing of the draft so far. He's played better than Edwards, in my opinion, um, and he's kind of a quiet reason, in my opinion. Obviously, Chicago's played poorly; they're sixteen and twenty, but I think you know they've had some bright spots this year. I think Patrick Williams is a pretty big one, and I don't think this guy's ever going to turn into a a 20 point a game player i'd be shocked if he did but we were just talking about kind of og and you know i think i think he can definitely be that is where i'm getting at and um i mean we don't need to discuss it but we both know how valuable that is in today's nba exactly i mean patrick has exceeded expectations should he have been taking that far i think it's been justified so far throughout the season that Chicago did make the right pick despite being crucified. I mean, Tyrese probably would have been a better pick, but then again, Tyrese would have been a better pick. I'm not going to defend it. But with that being said, Patrick Williams has worked out quite well for them. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. So I'll let you go next with your, with your next two. I mean, I I'm glad we were as high on uh, Tyrese as we were. I, with Anthony, I think we I'm not surprised how he's turned out so far this season. He's been shooting uh 15 points per game, which is great, not the best efficiency in the world, below 40% from uh field goal. And at this point with what is left, some other guys I'd consider would maybe be of course Wiseman, of course I'd consider Wiseman maybe quickly press Chua, Cole Anthony, but I feel like I have to go with Anthony Edwards at this point. I do think he has a bright future in the NBA. I'm not sure how high his ceiling will get, but he definitely will be a valuable player as far as I think at a minimum, a Jordan Clarkson type role would be ideal for him. That's actually, I'd say as a floor. That's a pretty good comp now that I think about it. But yeah, it, it, we keep on going back to it. It's like sitting here and talking about his his talent is, is honestly kind of useless because I feel like everyone knows he is so clearly by far, leaps and bounds the most in my opinion including over mellow 
the most talented player on this draft. The things he can do and his explosiveness and his nuts, but like until we see it translate into like good basketball and, and Minnesota gets something going, you know, I'm just not willing to because Lamelo's helping his team win. Tyrese Halliburton's helping his team win. You know, other Patrick Williams is helping his team win. It, and it's not Edwards' fault, but like it's just it, it's not there. But that's probably the exact place to to pick him in this kind of in this sort of draft. So hard to hard to go against that. And then with my next pick, I'm going to go again with the obvious pick with James Wiseman. Well, he hasn't had the exact rookie season maybe people were projecting. I still think he has a lot to show. I don't know if this Golden State Warriors team with the revival of Steph like they talked about is the best situation for him. I'm surprised. I, I wish they went I wish Golden State would went with somebody like LaMelo. I think that would have been a lot more fun. But as far as Wiseman having potential to be a great player in this league, I definitely have not sold my stock on him yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Wiseman's another one where we have to see more of, but like him the 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 spurts we've seen have been awesome and i am definitely one of the people calling for him to play more minutes right now um i know he's at 20 a game which you know for a young big man is maybe where it's at like give him you know give him a give him a quick 32 minute run let's see what he does i i i want to see that you know but yeah you, you you can't really go wrong with the wiseman pick um so you kind of, from an outsider's perspective, it feels like you have the three best players with Mello, Edwards, and Wiseman. So I should I have Halliburton and Williams. Williams. I gotta get another guy who can handle the ball. I'm going quickly. Um, he's played, in my opinion, like the third best rookie. Uh, I mean, twelve a game. Not great shooting. But, you know, every time he's on the floor, he gives you something. He's really helped the Knicks win. Um, I don't know. He's just he's looked really solid as a ball handler, where whereas guys have other kind of rookies. And I mean, obviously, there's room for disagreement. But guys like Cole Anthony and kind of even like a, a Theo Maladin and a Tyrese Maxey and a Peyton Pritchard, I they don't. When they're handling the ball, I almost don't have as much confidence in them. Um, I think Quickly's game is really, really smooth, and you know it has a lot of elements to it. And I only think it can grow. And I, I like his size. And um, you know, Kentucky guards—they're good, man. The league is filled with great Kentucky guards. So if I'm looking for another guard, you know, I'm definitely going there over anywhere else. No, I think Quickly's definitely the best guard left on the board. Yeah. And then I got a for my for my health, I have to pick, you know, a big man. As crazy as it sounds, I kill I still kind of want to go. No, I'm going away from Denny. I, I think in the short spurts I've seen Denny play, I've actually liked his play, to be honest. But I'm going kind of with the safety pick. There's always the kind of player who who spent a bit of time in college and he's He's undersized, and you know he's already 22 when he enters the league. But I'm going Sadiq Bay, who's basically a six foot seven, you know, not crazy, crazy athletic power forward. But I mean, this guy's just solid, and he gives you, you know, a bit of what kind of the a bit of the PJ Washington flavor. 
Um, just seems like a good player, and and you know he's he's not playing in a good place, but he's taking in Detroit, but he's taking advantage. He's taking advantage of it there. I mean, he's a Villanova guy too, so you know he's he's been well coached and plays hard. I mean, the more we talk about it, and again, we have to wait to see if guys like Killian Hayes or you know Cole Anthony, um, Devin Vassell improve a lot, but this draft isn't looking all that deep to me. So no, I mean to take Sadiq Bay with kind of around here, which is in my opinion. Where he deserve around where he deserves to go. The only other player, Bigman, I kind of wanted to take, even though he hasn't played yet, would be Onyeka Okongwu. But to take uh, Sadiq Bay here kind of speaks towards this draft. Not a great one, but we knew that going in. Yeah, we had a thought. Maybe it was going to be a lot deeper than it was, just maybe because of the lack of information we had around a lot of these players. So they created almost a mystique. With my final pick, I'm going to go. I don't, like you said, there's not too much left. As far as the rookie leaderboard, maybe some of the top names left available is Tyrese Maxey, Obi Toppin, Cole Anthony, Denny Avija, Kyra Lewis Jr., maybe. How about how about Desmond Bain, who's who looks like he's going to be one of the NBA's best shooter in a couple of years? That's an interesting one to throw out there, too. Yeah, I definitely think Desmond Bain should be in the consideration for my pick here. But as far as starting a franchise with, I'd want my ball handler, my main guy. I'm going to go with Cole Anthony. I mean, I don't think he's going to be an all-star per se, but I think he can definitely be a rotation guard in this league. I mean, I, I was high on him going into the draft. I don't think he's necessarily lived up to the expectations fully with that being said he's only played 25 games in the nba he got injured he can come back and look not completely different but with some time continue to develop into a great guard in this league yeah i'm 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 disagreeing with you on that one i i really i'm not a i didn't like him in college i i I didn't like him in the shorts and i saw him in the pros he was Definitely worth the fifteenth pick, but honestly, in, in the draft last year, but honestly, not that much higher to me. I I don't think I was as impressed, especially because when I did see him play, you know, I don't if he's not on Orlando, I don't know if he's getting minutes this year. But that that's 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 why we each have our own draft picks. Um, another good point, which like there was no summer league and there was no like real really rookie training camp, so that may also feel like why this rookie class is kind of like kind of uh not doing great like someone like um what's this called the raptors rookie i'm forgetting his name for some reason malachi flynn yeah malachi flynn like who knows maybe next year he'll just he'll, he'll you know he'll start playing and it will be a totally different thing like these guys really got pushed into the nba at like full speed so that's another thing to consider i'd say too and we have killian hayes injured who we were high on at the start and to be fair did not look great in the time when he was on the court but super intriguing player yeah Mm -hmm. and i think with that little rookie roundup and the kind of rush to the end we've now rushed to the end of this um this episode of the jabroni show And as always, you are listening on CFRC 101.9 FM. Have a great morning, and we'll catch you guys next week.
Cause. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential, quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388. 